Hello and welcome to Soul Science with Namaste Carly. This week, I thought it would be a good idea to explore the gut and its microbiome. We spent the last few episodes talking about diet and nutrition and its importance for overall well-being because it is often overlooked. By taking a deeper look at the organs involved with the digestion and nutrient absorption process, we can hopefully understand why what we are eating plays such a large role in how we are feeling and how our bodies are functioning. I'm going to warn you now, if you are squeamish or don't like hearing about poop or not so pleasant biological functions, you might want to skip this episode. However, with that said, it is in my honest opinion that people should not feel embarrassed talking about these subjects. They are really good indicators for your health and should be normalized. Obviously, there's a time and place to talk about these things, but it is normal. There's even a children's book called Everyone Poops, which I think is funny, but also a simple and easy way to remove the stigma around a natural, normal bodily function. So when you stop and think about organs that are vital to your existence, we place a lot of importance on the brain and the heart. If you suffer damage to either of those, it is often fatal. However, true to the holistic approach, the gut is vital to the function of all other organs within the body. The gut is actually comprised of multiple organs, including the stomach, large and small intestines, as well as the colon. Without the breakdown and absorption of food molecules, we would literally not have the energy or the building blocks needed to create new cells and molecules within the body. It is important to note that the perfect diet means absolutely nothing if your body cannot process the food properly. Most pharmaceuticals for gut issues work to suppress the function of the gut, which does alleviate symptoms, but does nothing to fix the actual problem and can often lead to more issues down the road. This is actually a concern that I personally had when I was prescribed a medication that was to be taken daily for the rest of my life at the ripe old age of 20. I'll talk about that more in a minute. However, intuitively, we understand that the gut plays a larger role um, than simply breaking down and processing our food. We have linked the gut to our emotions for ages, attributing knowledge that has an unknown origin to gut instincts or gut feelings. Or when we feel intense emotions, we often feel sick to our stomachs or experience things like butterflies. On an even more basic level, when we eat certain foods, it influences our moods and can make us feel better. Or likewise, if you're hungry, you're typically more quick to anger or lash out. Hello, hangry, anybody? I'd like to personally apologize to anyone who has ever had to deal with my hanger. Um, in Eastern medicine, though, they actually recognize the gut as the second brain. And Western science is beginning to realize the truth to that on a more cellular level, or at least a way that can be quantified and analyzed with modern medicine and science. 
But the gut itself is actually home to millions of neurons, or what was previously considered to be brain cells. The gut is in constant communication with the brain, often telling it what to do by the production of neurotransmitters. These are messenger molecules, such as the happy hormone serotonin. The gut actually produces the majority of our serotonin, which makes sense when you consider why people turn to food for comfort in times of stress. Second only to our skin, the gut is one of the biggest proponents of our immune system, or our defense against outside invaders and disease. Eating is one of the only ways in which pathogens can enter the internal environment. So it makes sense that our gut would have extra defenses in, uh, in place to keep us safe. And that is also why a properly functioning gut is so important to keeping our immune system strong. The lining of your gut is very, very thin, and this is to allow the passage of small molecules and nutrients like amino acids into the blood. When the lining is weakened or damaged, it becomes leaky, allowing larger molecules like proteins and possible pathogens to pass through and enter the blood, which triggers an inflammatory response. This can lead to chronic low-level inflammation, food allergies, acne, and other illnesses like autoimmune disorders and diseases such as Crohn's, ulcerative colitis, thyroid problems, fibromyalgia, rheumatoid arthritis, and others. However, modern science has also come to realize that our gut health is largely influenced by the microorganisms that call it home. One of the craziest facts I learned was that, that we actually have more bacterial cells living in our gut than we have um, of human cells in our entire bodies, which really makes you wonder who is in control, us or them. As with all evolution, I think it is ultimately a symbiotic relationship that has evolved and developed over time, but it does require kind of a fine balance. We provide them with room and board, and in return, they help us to process our food and keep us safe from harmful pathogens. The microbiologist in me likes to stress the importance of keeping your microbiome happy. Happy microbes equals a happy gut, which equals a happy life. When your microbiome is out of balance or in dysfunction, it leads to a variety of issues that manifest in both physical form and on a more energetic or emotional level. Interestingly enough, our diets actually dictate the composition of our microbiome, which bacteria are dominant and the molecules they are capable of processing. A person who eats a strictly vegan diet would have a completely different microbiome than a person who regularly consumes animal products. That is because plant composition is completely different from animal composition and thus calls for different enzymes and things in order for the food to be broken down and used. An important example of this is the production of TMAO, trimethylamine anoxide, which is a compound made by the microbes in your gut from choline, which is a molecule found in eggs, red meat, fish, and poultry. 
Increased levels of TMAO within the blood have been implicated with higher levels of cardiovascular disease and neurological disorders. However, people who do not regularly consume products with choline, such as vegans, do not show any increase in TMAO when given choline because their gut flora are not accustomed to processing it and therefore do not produce any TMAO. So this discovery has had a bunch of kind of awesome implications for the process of disease um, in the body concerning the microbiome. Unfortunately, um, instead of simply promoting people to consume more plants on a regular basis, the pharmaceutical industry is looking into ways to artificially manipulate the microbiome to prevent the formation of products such as TMAO. Another study suggested fecal transplants from plant-based people to those who regularly consume animal products to help them manage their microbial communities, because those are obviously easier solutions than just eating more fruits and vegetables. Right, sure. However, an easy way to keep your gut microbes happy is simply eating the right foods and avoid the ones that cause them to create inflammatory molecules. The use of probiotics and prebiotics are generally helpful for keeping your microbes happy as well, which are usually found in things like yogurt and fermented foods such as kimchi. The more happy and friendly bacteria that you have within your gut, the less physical space you have for pathogens. This is also why the overuse of antibiotics is kind of an issue. While they are effective in, and helpful for killing off bad microbes, the mechanism of action for the drugs usually kills off your good bacteria as well, which can create an environment for opportunistic pathogens to take over. But that could probably be an episode in itself. The funny thing or interesting thing is that I already learned this while I was in college, or at least knew about the gut and the microbiome and kind of the role it played in the body but I didn't really think much of it. It wasn't until I was experiencing my own GI or gastrointestinal issues that I began to look into the subject more and research it more extensively. This is where I'm gonna talk a little bit more in detail about the woes that accompany dysfunction in the gut. So maybe leave now if you don't wanna hear me talk about bowel movements and things like that. But basically, um, a gut in dysfunction can lead to a lot of unpleasant symptoms like bloating, nausea, heartburn, acid reflux, constipation, and diarrhea. When I was about 20, I began having a variety of issues with my gut and was experiencing a lot of those symptoms. Um, I should note that at the time I was vegetarian, but I still ate things like eggs and cheese. However, it didn't really seem to matter what I was eating or what I was not eating. I was just in pain and generally unhappy in um, my gut and my body. Obviously, none of those things are pleasant. And it, was, um, it really made socializing, going out, and just kind of moving through daily life difficult um, because I was so uncomfortable. So like most people, I went to see the doctor to get help, and I was referred to a specialist. After a lot of tests, imaging, and a colonoscopy, 
my specialist came to the conclusion that I had just like a general IBS or irritable bowel syndrome. Um, and she also said that I had um, or described that I had a longer than average GI tract, meaning that thanks to genetics, I just had like a longer road for my food to travel. And her solution or their solution for me was to take a daily prescription, which was basically a laxative um, to just help move things along. If you look at the side effects of most drugs like that that are available over the counter, they are not very positive and generally not recommended to be taken more than seven consecutive days. Um, I was 20 at the time, and this was supposed to be part of my daily routine for the rest of my life. I did, however, follow instructions for a while because I was desperate to alleviate my symptoms and I didn't know any better. And anyone who's ever had gut issues or gut problems, you'll understand that it's not something that you want to live with. Um, but I began looking for alternatives and I did reduce my trigger foods like dairy and increase my activity with more exercise. And for a while that worked and I didn't need to take the medication. However, eventually my symptoms did return and I went back to the specialists and they told me that there basically wasn't anything that I could do. No amount of clean eating or exercise was going to overcome the fact that I had this longer GI tract and I would need to take this medication daily for the rest of my life or I was going to continue having these problems. And with time, I would have to increase the dosage and that was just the inevitable reality that she was painting for me. Um, and I was 23 at the time. Um, and when I asked the person for natural alternatives uh, to the prescription, I was met with a lot of condescension. And now I know that it's best to seek a second opinion, especially when you don't agree with what your doctor has to say, um, or a doctor and or a doctor that is more willing to work with you. But me being naturally stubborn, I refused to believe that I was stuck in this situation, so I really did set out to find other solutions. Um, I took a more drastic measure with my diet and completely cleaned it up, going 100% plant-based, eliminating all meats and animal products, so no more dairy, cheese, or eggs. And I minimized my processed sugars, drank mostly water, and I began supplementing. So within weeks of overhauling my diet and eating basically as clean as possible, my symptoms were completely gone and I was having regular and healthy bowel movements without the use of the medication. And I'm happy to say that I have been symptom-free and absolutely medication-free for about four-ish years now. In addition to improving my gut symptoms, my hormonal acne went away and so did my anxiety. I had struggled for so long looking for solutions to those problems, um, not knowing how intrinsically related they all were. I had used yoga and mindfulness to manage my anxiety, but it was still there. And it wasn't until I completely healed my gut that my anxiety was healed as well. However, when you realize that the gut truly is a second brain, it is key in helping to treat mental disorders as well. Because I personally struggled with these problems and the healthcare system, this is why I'm so passionate about helping others and trying to inform others about the alternatives available. 
Obviously, it is important to consult with healthcare professionals, but I do recommend getting second opinions, especially if your gut or intuition is telling you to. In next week's episode, I will be discussing the mind-body connection in more detail with a special guest. As always, if you like what you're hearing, please show your support by liking and subscribing. This podcast can be found on both iTunes and Spotify. You can also find me on YouTube, Facebook, and Instagram as Namaste Carly. Thank you so much for listening and have a fabulous day. Namaste. Namaste.